this week on the Backtable Podcast. People have heard me say this multiple times, but I think just in general, advice to do well in medical school is all about social awareness in a lot of ways. Like, know when to go home and, you know, like when not to just like hang around or when someone doesn't really, nest. I mean, I don't want to say this in a bad way, but when someone might not want you there or when you're not needed um, or when you can actually be useful. All of these things are, I think, a lot just social, you know, awareness a lot of the time, you know. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Backtable Podcast, your source for all things interventional and endovascular. You can find all previous episodes of our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and on Backtable.com, and pretty much any podcast platform out there. This is Aaron Fritz as your host this week, and I'm really excited to introduce our guest today, Dr. Daryl Goldman. Welcome, Daryl. Thanks for having me. Yeah, sure. Before we get started, I did want to just do a, a, say a quick word from our sponsor, RadPad. RadPad Radiation Protection Products were developed by physicians for physicians and clinically proven to protect during CINE and digital subtraction and geography. Don't bet your health on anything less. Trust RadPad Protection for all your interventions. See radpad.com for more information and contact info at radpad.com to learn more about radiation safety CME credits for you and your team. Uh, Daryl, do you guys use RadPad at Mount Sinai? So I I ordered two of the free, like the, the new no-brainer caps and thought they were really cool. Great. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, for anybody else out there who wants to get a, a no-brainer cap, the uh, RadPad will send them to you for free if you just uh, email them at info at radpad.com. All right. Well, let's get started. So. I'm really excited to have Daryl on. She is a current IR resident at Mount Sinai. Remind me, what year are you, Daryl? I'm a third year. Third year. Wow, time flies. <laughs> I know crazy. it's crazy. Because you were for, when I when I saw you at Learn, you were a first year at that time, right? Uh, yeah, I was first year radiol. Yeah, first year. So second year resident, but second year. Resident. So now I'm a sec third year resident, but yeah. So that's gotcha. about a year ago. Yeah. And so the the purpose of having Daryl on is because. Um, we want to talk a little bit, this is a, a bit more focused at the trainees, but I also think it's probably helpful for uh, people in, in academics, IRs and academics who have med students rotating through uh, the practice, because what we want to talk about is really how do you, how do you, how does one crush their IR rotation? As we all know, IR has gotten very competitive and then you throw COVID in and now it's, it's hard to get, I, from what I hear, from med students, it's, it's getting hard to do external rotations. But since Daryl was very successful at getting into a top IR program, we wanted to uh, have her on the show to kind of help med students who are, are looking for ways to kind of help stand out, especially during their rotation. The, uh, so basically, Daryl, before we get started on, on some of the specifics of that, I, I do want to have you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you went to med school, and how you became interested in IR. Okay. Thank you so much, Dr. Fritz. So first of all, thank you again for having me on Backtable. I'm a huge fan, um, as you know. My name is Daryl Goldman. I'm a third year um, IR integrated resident at Mount Sinai in New York City. Um, I went to medical school at the University of Queensland Auctioner Clinical School. And that was that's a medical school that's um, two years in New Orleans and then two years in Australia. And I first became interested in IR actually late in my third year of medical school. And I was actually on my neurology rotation at the time. And we had a patient that came in with a stroke. And I asked if I could follow the patient along to IR for um, mechanical thrombectomy. And it was just the most incredible experience. I'll never forget it. Um, the patient was, you know, had, couldn't, couldn't move their whole left side. 
um, facial droop, um, slurred speech. And the procedure took, I think, 12 minutes or something. And I held the patient's arm the whole time because he was combative. And after 12 minutes, the patient was completely, you know, normal talking, moving his left side and everything. And it was just totally miraculous. And prior to that, I had wanted, always wanted to do a procedural specialty, probably surgery. And this was just the, the benefits of this was just so fast and immediate. And I was like, just completely taken over. And I was yeah. like, so after that, I just basically never left the IR suites and then um, really just was always there. And all of it was so cool. And so that's really how I first became interested. Hey, what year were you when you had that experience? It was the end of my third year. So pretty late, actually, like medical students these days applying to IR know pretty early and they actually have, they have to do a lot of, you know, stuff to match. So they start pretty early on. Yeah. So kind of walk us through once you had that realization, what were your next steps where you were like, okay, I want to, I want to make this happen now. What, what did you, did you go hunt down an IR in New Orleans to do research with them or, you know, kind of walk us through what your next steps were? Yeah, definitely. So, um, Again, so I found out sort of late in my medical school career. So um, and then also so I had three kind of things that make my I guess my position a little bit unique. So one was that I found out sort of late. The other was that I was an international medical grad. So I was kind of at a disadvantage already when applying to a, a really competitive specialty like IR. And then the third was that the program that I was at didn't have or doing the clinical rotations at, which was in um, New Orleans, has really great IR, great IR department, which I was lucky to have, but didn't have an IR training program, such as a residency or um, a fellowship. So for me, it was really important, I think, to do away rotations, which we'll get into more um, during this podcast in IR. And um, but I started out by really um you know, never leaving IR. I was constantly shadowing. Um, I was staying late, coming early. And anytime I had time off of um, my medical student rotations, um, I would always go to IR. Um, I got to do, I started on research projects, basically did everything I could um, at that point, became um, involved with SIR. Um, and then sort of, I started an interest group at my program because we didn't have one. And at that point, um, we also started, we hosted a symposium, which was called the Southeast um, Regional Interventional Radiology Medical Student Symposium. And that was really great because I got a really good opportunity to network with other programs around the Southeast and um, really create this event for um, IR education. So yeah. that, that's really what I did. That's very cool. And definitely thinking outside the box of, you know, most people with, when you think of a competitive specialty, like just thinking back when I was in med school, it was like, okay, if you wanted to say neurosurgery or ENT, like you had to be involved in research very early on, you know, you had to be, like you said, you know, interest groups are helpful to get to know the docs at your institution. But I mean, the other key thing was those external rotations to get to know a program, but at, you know, time is limited, right? You can only do so many away rotations. Can you just like let some of the med students know out there, how many away rotations did you do? How did you finagle like doing as many as possible? Okay. So my position was a little bit unique. So I wouldn't say that all medical students have to do as many rotations as I did. It really depends, you know, on your background. But for me specifically, I, um, 
did three away rotations. Um, and then I shadowed again at my home institution. And I wouldn't do like a dedicated rotation at my home institution, but I would call it, you know, I spent a lot of time there. Right. So, yeah. So I did kind of a lot. I mean, I don't think medical students need to do three away rotations, but um, it can help and, you know, it can hurt you. And we'll get into that more. as well. Okay. Yeah. And so, for example, in terms of... Um, the rotations that you did or you're just kind of being hanging around the department were you, did you find yourself kind of sneaking away when you're on other rotations or did you just, you know, your day would end, you know, you might get done early on peds or, or some other, you know, elective and just run over the IR. Is that kind yeah. of how it works? Yep. Yeah, I did. So soon. And I would definitely say to, you know, obviously don't shark on your med student responsibilities. I'm not advocating for that at all. Yeah. But I definitely was always in IR whenever I had time. So I would try to take call on weekends if um, they needed someone. I mean, I wouldn't obviously be alone, but I would come in for call cases. I would shadow after five, like anytime I was off my clinical rotation, I would go to IR and try to scrub cases. Um, and then again, I, you know, did research. So I was kind of always, you know, hanging around. Yeah. And then in terms of research, were you reaching out to people all over the country or just sticking locally with the research opportunities? So um, that's a really good question. Initially, I did research locally um, and it wasn't real. I mean, my first project was just a case report. Right. Um, and then after that, you know, I got in some more projects on some IO stuff um, at Auctioner. They have a great IO department. And then from there... I actually, during my fourth year and after the symposium, I developed really good relationships with other um, institutions and um, program directors and stuff. And I actually, at that point, sort of started reaching out and doing projects um, with other programs. And that's something that um, I would definitely kind of recommend, especially for students that, um, like you said, you know, are from programs that don't have IR programs at these places, especially during COVID with everything, you know, not allowing IR rotations, it can be really hard for these students um, to network effectively. And so I would definitely recommend doing that and reaching out to programs and trying to do research with places. Right. Because, you know, as we mentioned, you know, with COVID, a lot of programs have kind of shut down those external, you know, or externships rather um, with, with other programs. So I guess... Uh, so another thing that I knew about you that was unique was you were very active on social media. Mm -hmm. And I, and I know that what I I've heard is that, uh, when you were interviewing that people knew you via your, your social media presence or, or Twitter, uh, can you tell us, you know, anything, any advice for med students who may not be aware of the power of social media in terms of networking? Okay. So I would say that, I mean, there's so many things I can say about this, um, yeah. but I would say that it's so important to network, right? And form relationships with mentors, sponsors, and peers. And there are multiple ways to do this, um, but one of the great ways to do it would be social media. And that's really how I kind of went about it. I really started my Twitter account just as a way to promote the symposium in, um, in, at Auctioner that I was doing and get medical students to come. Um, and other programs excited about it. Um, and then from there, it just really kind of was like this doorway to just get involved in IR in so many ways. And I've honestly had so many opportunities through Twitter. It's crazy. Like, I don't even know how to really explain how important <laughs> right. it is, but it was like, you know, I got asked to um, 
contribute to manuscripts from Twitter. I got asked to, um, you know, come talk on podcasts, you know, for my Twitter. Account. Like just yeah. tons of things. Like it just opened so many doors, which is still funny to say about something like Twitter. But um, the power of social media for networking and forming relationships um, in, in a specialty is, I think, really, really important. Um, and I would highly recommend most like all medical students to do that. I do in, in all fields, really. I mean, the medical Twitter um, community is is really just incredible for a lot of different specialties. So and, and IR specifically. But I would say that, you know, again, words of caution, you know, this can also hurt you. You know, you want to you're any kind of social media platform is, you know, putting your face out there um, and you need to make sure that, you know, putting yourself out there in a professional Right way that, you know, comes off well, because, you know, a lot of people will tell you when you're applying to residency that you should, you know, cancel your Facebook and cancel, you know, make sure that all of those pictures are gone or that it's private. And the same would be said for Twitter, you know, like everyone's seeing these tweets and just make sure that you're very, you know, careful. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I echo kind of what you said about, you know, starting on Twitter for something that was education. We, I started on Twitter for Backtable just to help kind of promote the podcast. And, you know, like I said, I mean, just the number, especially IRs and now, you know, vascular surgeons and the whole endovascular community is very strong on Twitter, especially. Uh, my wife's an ENT and she doesn't see that, uh, you know, in her specialty as much. I know that, I mean, there are a lot of ENTs on Twitter, but it's not the same presence and kind of networking that's going on in IR. And I think a lot of that is because, you know, a lot of what we do is imaging guidance so you can share cases easily. You know, it's almost like a, it's like a virtual injury club, right? Right. But, and so yeah. even for education, you know, this beyond networking, I'd say for med students and, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, a lot of residents probably already know this is, but, but for med students, if you're interested in IR, like there's so much to learn on Twitter in terms of cases being shared. I mean, just follow Jeff Chick, you know, Mark Lesney and, you know, Aaron Fishman right there. And like, you're going to, you know, it's almost and Mount Sinai IR. And Mount Sinai IR. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> but it, just the, the crazy cases that are and just showing off the, and Srini Tuma, you know, the amazing things that people are showing that really inspire you to like, want to get into the field and learn more. Right. So. Yeah. I would definitely say that. And like I learned so much about IR. I learned so much about programs from Twitter. Um, all of it was, you know, really, really, really great. Just not just for, you know, for networking. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So just real quick on, so on these rotations, let's get a little, dive a little bit more into the rotations themselves. Mm -hmm. What do you think was like, like if you could think, obviously we're not going to name any rotations specifically, but like kind of the best part of a rotation and the worst part of a rotation, if you ever had any bad rotations and kind of help anybody go, you know, maybe starting a rotation tomorrow, like what do you need to know going into it? So I think the best IR rotations are those that offer the opportunity for medical students to become a real valued member of the team and to contribute. Um, and these are the ones, these are the rotations that I really, you know, enjoyed the most. So having didactics with opportunities for students to present cases or journal club articles, including them in inpatient rounding and management, and obviously involving them in procedures. I mean, that's, you know, a given. And encouraging students to learn, you know, from, from the technologists is also brilliant. I honestly learned probably the most as a medical student from the IR techs. And I think that, um, these were some of my best experiences. So, and there were, uh, you know, there was a rotation where I felt like 
a little bit just more like an observer and it was a little bit harder to become involved. And I would say that was my least favorite rotation. Um, So my favorite rotations, again, were those that were well-rounded. They included procedures, inpatient management, didactics, and some clinic time. And they were rotations that I was able to really become a member of the team again and have some responsibility. Um, and I was able to learn about IR from like the work, the workup of these patients to the procedure and then after to the clinical management um, and continued post-op care and management and follow-up. Um, and these rotations were maybe more work, I think, probably for me as a med student, but they were so much more memorable and rewarding. Right. Um, and so I think that's important to keep in mind. Did, did you get to scrub pretty often? Yeah. So I scrub yeah. a lot. Um, definitely. So some advice for medical students, I would say definitely to like, you know, learn, spend some time with techs, learn how to back table. Um, there you go. There you go. Um, because I think that's really something you can do as a medicine that's very helpful. Um, even now as a red suit, as a, excuse me, as a red resident, I'm always like, man, I wish when I'm doing a TGLB, I'm like, man, I wish I had a med student here to, you know, hold the end of the wire or, you know, and that stuff is like very useful. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's some stuff you can do. Um, and I can go into a lot of things. No, learn how to coil a wire. You know, yeah, yeah. Day one, like sit, see, you know, if there's like a extra wire laying around, like at Vanderbilt, we'd always have like, Marantz would always be playing wire with wires and stuff. And I would tell the, the med student, hey, learn how to coil this up and put it, place it down on the table so it doesn't unfold yeah. and fall off the table. You know what I mean? Exactly. Right. That kind of stuff. Learn how to do that. The contrast, the saline, you know. Yeah. Really learn how to do that stuff. Um, that's really useful. And then if you know how to do that, like it just, first of all, it builds your confidence. So you feel again, like a meaningful, you know, useful kind of part of the team. And then also, you know, it makes you look like, you know, things and you might get, you know, able, you might be able to then, you know, do some procedural things as well. Right. They might actually let you, yeah, touch a catheter or something. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's also... It's also time of year, right? Because at the, you know, in July, um, mm-hmm. you know, August, September, there's, it's going to be, there's going to be too many cooks in the kitchen, right? There's going to be, you're an attending next to your fellow next year, or sorry, your resident now, and then you have your tech. And so the med student feels like a, a third or fourth wheel, but later in the year, and this was the best one, like the fellow, you know, when Robbie and I were fellows, you know, we're basically the primary driver. The attendings are sitting in the control room with their feet on the table and, you know, then you can bring the med student in and let them do some stuff if they want to, you know? Right. Um, yeah, that's, that's totally. really where the, I felt like the med students had a much better experience later in the year, uh, in the academic year, you know? Yeah. I think that's, that's definitely really good advice. Um, if you can time your rotations right. later on in the year. Yeah. That's awesome right. because yeah, the fellows, you know, are less, excited to do a port, you know, and because yeah. they've done a lot of them at that point. So they're, you know, able to. Yeah, they'll let you get access. I'm teaching you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. People have heard me say this multiple times, but I think just in general advice to do well in medical school is all about social awareness in a lot of ways. Like know when to go home and, you know, like yeah. when not to just like hang around or when someone doesn't really nest. I mean, I don't want to say this in a bad way, but when someone might not want you there or when you're not needed um, or when you can actually be useful. All of these things are, I think, a lot just social, you know, awareness a lot of the time, you know. And totally. I totally agree. Yeah. When to ask questions, when not to, all of those things. It's like really important to learn that stuff if you can. 
and and it doesn't really matter what rotation you're on. Those things, I think, always hold. Yeah. And reading body language. Um, yeah. Like I said, being a useful part of the team is so much more important than just kissing butt and asking questions just to ask questions. You know? Yes. Yeah. We've we've all, you know, had med students like that. Yeah. Yeah. And you're you're seeing that now because you're a resident. So you probably are in charge of a, a lot of med students coming through. And mm-hmm. um, I are so, yeah. you know, you're seeing the other side of it, you know. Right. Is, it's also helpful for today to help, you know, med students coming through that, you know, this this is somebody who's you're in the trenches currently and um, you're, you have to get, you have to give feedback to med students. I'm sure every, every yeah. month or so, right? Yeah. I mean, we haven't had many because of COVID, right? This yeah. year, last year we had more um, and I'm excited to have more again. Um, but yeah, I mean, you really notice as a resident, which ones are, you know, good or, and which ones are annoying or, you know, and, and I didn't really realize that as a med student, I thought, you know, just like spending more time and being really involved and really eager and excited, you know, as long as you did all those things, it didn't really matter. But there are definitely other things that matter. And, you know, it's there's a time to go home as well, you know. Yeah, totally. So we're going to get into this a little bit in a subsequent episode, but just want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, we, we, you talked about the rotation itself and what makes a good rotation, what makes a bad rotation. Well, I guess for any, you know, if there's any program directors or just a, academic attendings out there, any suggestions for them in terms of, you know, ways to get their med student involved, they might be scratching their heads like, I have no idea how to, to get my med student involved. Like, is there anything, any quick fixes or any pearls? Yeah. So I think that for both medical students and then also for, um, you know, program directors and people that are running these rotations, I think to treat it like it's a surgical sub-internship rotation is the best way to do it. Like these are third year, fourth year medical students a lot of the time and giving them graduated responsibilities, including them in didactics, obviously scrubbing procedures, but inpatient management. So they can pre-round and present patients. They can go to clinic. They can see these clinic patients prior to you seeing them and then present them to you. And then you guys can go in and see these patients together. Um, Giving medical students these opportunities, um, I know certain rotations have like a dedicated case presentation at the end that the medical students do. And I know this seems like more work and like maybe medical students don't want as much work, but really giving medical students an opportunity to, you know, show off or show what they have is necessary. You know, that's kind of yeah important. There for. Yeah. Right. But then also showing medical students like the broad spectrum of IR. So not just procedures, I think is also important. So inpatient management, clinic, you know, all of that stuff, I think, is showing a medical student the day-to-day life of what it is to be an IR. And that's what medical student rotations should be all about, you know. And yeah. so I think we forget that sometimes in IR because it's, you know, so procedure heavy. But on a surgical sub-I, you know, these re- these medical students are going to the OR, you know, after they've done all this other, you know, their other responsibilities. And I think we should, you know, be including them in that as well. Yeah. And you guys at Sinai have a clinic, I'm sure, multiple clinics. I mean, are you guys mm-hmm. allowing the med students to rotate through there as well? Yeah. See clinic patients? Yeah. Okay. Yep, definitely. Yeah. And so I think, you know, especially during COVID, you know, it's 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 very interesting to see, you know, a lot of programs have kind of adapted and done some virtual rotations, which is really great, you know, and there's all of this virtual learning, um, whether it's a rotation or, or not, um, that's offered. But I think that something that they've sort of forgotten to do or is 
given these medical students an opportunity to show to you know show off you know yeah. Yeah. So on a rotation, medical students have that opportunity in person, but virtually they're just passively learning. So unless you're giving med students an opportunity to present, you know, a journal article or a case, you're not necessarily like, how are you going to write a letter of recommendation for that medical student through a virtual rotation? You know, unless right. you see what they have to offer. And so we can't forget that. You know, I think things are getting better now, but it's important to provide these opportunities for medical students. Yeah, that's super challenging. Yeah, I mean, how do you know who to pick for, you know, to fill your right. spots? Uh, you, you brought up a really good point is that it's a two-way street with these med school, you know, these rotations. And um, they, the students aren't just there to, to get educated. They're there to show off, show themselves off so they can get into a program. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that when it comes, you know, that's the honest, honesty yeah. of it all, you know. Right. Um, obviously, it's an incredible learning experience, all of those things, you know, but ultimately, you know, they probably chose your program because it's a program that they have interest in. Yeah. And it's yeah. and you're having multiple and it, it helps you as well as, a, you know, medical, as someone who's selecting these students. Um, I can imagine that having an opportunity, you know, you're having a lot of medical students rotate. So how do you pick, you know? Yeah. So I think it's really important for residents also, um, and I want to say this, that for both medical students and IR residents and attendings, I would recommend to treat this, you know, as a clinical sub-I, like I said. Um, but I just want you as a resident to really try to involve medical students and to pay it forward. You know, if you're a resident, I'm sure you had some help or support at some point as when you were a medical student. And this is just an awesome opportunity to pay it forward and mentor someone. So um, I think that really is something that's important to me and I just wanted to to blast okay yeah no do you guys have like an official mentorship program like you know with residents and med students or is it kind of just happens through these rotations it kind of just happens you know and there's residents that definitely have more time or are more interested in mentoring um and you know I've honestly had so many medical students reach out to me through Twitter or through email because of my history and how I matched and all of those things. Right. Yeah. So I have a lot, a lot of, a lot of mentees, sometimes too many, but I think it's just very important and I think to pay it forward and I've had a lot of help and I definitely think, you know, we can, we can help students as well. Yeah. And I think SIR has resources for that too, right? And to, you know, yeah. they, they have yeah. mentorship programs and stuff, which is nice. Yeah, exactly. The, the last little question I had was just about, you know, your IR residency experience so far, you know, just maybe if you could just tell us a little bit about why you chose the program, uh, a little bit about the structure of it and has it matched your expectations? So I was very, very fortunate to have the opportunity to interview at multiple programs. Um, and I chose Sinai for multiple reasons, but most importantly, because of its reputation, its broad mix of cases and the people there. Um, the program directors are very interested in and invested in the new IR residency and the curriculum and a clinical IR model of care. And this was really important to me. So my program directors, um, Dr. Aaron Fishman and Dr. Vivian Bechet, are very invested in continuously adapting and bettering the program. So even in the two years I've been there, we have new training initiatives, more dedicated IR rotations and electives, and I could really go on and on. The caseload and diversity really can't be beat, honestly. So specifically, we Sinai is a large transplant center, and there's an incredible opportunity to learn multidisciplinary care for these patients. There's really a great relationship with liver medicine and transplant, and Dr. Kim, our director of oncology, really takes this relationship very seriously. 
And this is the type of learning that I really wanted and that I think is, you know, what, what we intended to do when this residency was created. Sinai also has a great relationship with other specialties like vascular surgery. And so we get to scrub with vascular surgery and we learn a lot from their, them. Um, we also share case conferences and didactics with the vascular surgery residents. And so this is a great opportunity. I also think we get a good diverse training in terms of academic and community practice as well. So that's pretty awesome. And then um, we just have a lot of autonomy, I would say. So we have graduated responsibility responsibility over the years. And that's, you know, a great learning environment. Um, of course, I, I mean, I could go on and on, but we have tons of opportunities for mentorship and research and I feel very supported and, you know, it's been a really great time so far. I would say, so challenges, I don't want to just only be positive. So <laughs> there are some challenges. Um, for me as a surgery intern, um, at the end of my surgery internship, I felt like a doctor, like I knew how to manage patients in a hospital. I felt really confident. And then my first year of diagnostic radiology was really challenging because you, I felt like you kind of go back to square one where you're a medical student again. You kind of know nothing about radiology. You're very useless. Um, you just kind of sit there at first. You don't really know how to, I mean, there's just, it's a huge learning curve going into diagnostic radiology. And especially for people who are into procedures, like these people, a lot of the people that are doing this new IR residency, I think it's very difficult to just, you know, sit for 12. For me, especially, I can't sit on diagnostic like radiology shifts and um, it's very challenging. So, because I'm not good at sitting still. So I think that that was like a, the biggest challenge, but it's gotten so much better as a second year. Um, as soon as you learn a little bit, like you realize it's kind of incredible how much radiology I've learned over the past two years. And now I feel like useful. And now diagnostic radiology is so much more fun than it was as a first year. Yeah. So it's a little bit, you know, as a first year, all I wanted to do was leave diagnostic, like just go to IR again, you know? Right. And right. yeah, it was pretty tough. So that's like a transition that if anyone, you know, feels Sm the same way yeah. I did. You can you know? smooth it out. It sounds like you're going, yeah, like, you know, 80 miles an hour, you come to an abrupt halt just in terms of, you know, be, I, surgery is probably a lot of go, go, go. And, and then you're forced to sit in a chair for like you said, 10 to 12 hours a day. I mean, that's, yeah, I, I can imagine that's pretty tough. Uh, yeah. And, and it's, I, you know, I remember I having the same feeling starting out diagnostic because they're not really having you do anything for a few months, you know, you're just sitting there watching somebody read and yeah, that can be, <laughs> yeah, that can be exhausting in itself. So, it's a totally yeah. different type of exhaustion. I mean, even when you're reading, you've probably already experienced this, but like, Reading, sitting there and reading for a full day to me is more exhausting than being, you know, crazy busy, running around, doing procedures all day long, soaked under your lead. Like I, at the end of the day, I had so much more energy after that than I did at the end of a diagnostic day. Yes. You know? Oh my God. 100%. I'm like wiped out after diagnostic radiology call, yeah. just exhausted. And yeah. You know, and then after, you know, IR, I just feel kind of like invigorated most of the time, you know? Yeah. Um, even on the busiest days. So it's a very different feeling. But I do think that like as your ability to read diagnostic studies gets better, like, you know, it's just so much better. Like I really hate just feeling so useless, you know? Right. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah, it gets better. <laughs> All right. Well, that's great. Like, uh, you know, obviously it's a highly respected program, lots of amazing people up there. And so happy to hear that things are going well and you're really enjoying it. And, um, and so you got what, 
three more years after this? Yeah. So I'm actually thinking about doing um, a neuroradiology year afterwards. So uh, a neuro IR, excuse me. Yeah. So um, yeah, neuro IR. So I might have four more years. We'll see. I'm kind of applying for that right now. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and then you get to, it's full circle to what inspired you to go into it in the first place, right? Yeah, exactly. So we'll be getting into this in a subsequent episode, but any quick advice on um, other things that a med student can do to help them stand out before applying to, you know, this highly competitive field or any, or any highly competitive field for that matter? Okay. So I have tons of answers to this question <laughs> and I honestly think that you should invite me back for that episode, but okay. <laughs> I will say that first and foremost, I think I said this prior actually in, in this um, episode, but networking and forming relationships is so important. Um, many ways to do that um, through your home program. Um, if you don't have a home program, you know, through other programs, um, doing away rotations, reaching out to program directors, going to SIR and going to these meetings and networking that way. So those are all really important things to do. One point I want to make is that your mentor-mentee relationship goes both ways, and it's extremely important to be a good mentee. There's actually a good paper on tips how to be on how to be a good mentee that was written by Dr. Yasha Gupta. She's a radiology resident, and it's an incredible. It's a really good paper. But in general, as a, a wise woman once told me, when you're a mentee, you're basically wearing your mentor's jersey, and so you must take this seriously and make them proud. Basically, is is all I want to say. So. I once actually heard a doctor say that it is not okay to say you have these big aspirations to gain a mentor and then later just decide that you no longer want these big things. You really have to follow through with them. So I think that's really important to look at as well. The IR world is a really small world, you know, so letters of recommendation go a long way um, because people know people. So again, IR rotations help in this regard to get a letter of rec. And then most importantly, my program director, Dr. Fishman, says this all the time. Showing interest in IR is just very important. He wants medical students that are just very interested in our field. Um, and so you can show this by becoming involved with the society through research, through the medical student um, committee, um, and then doing rotations. You know, those are really great ways to show your interest. Yeah, no, I think that's all very solid advice. And um, like you said, you know, it, it's tricky because the you know, I, I was at a, a gathering with some of my parents' friends just last week and, you know, they're asking me what I do. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, you've, you've seen it happen. You, you almost fumble when you're telling people what you do. You know, it's all, you, you tell me that you're an interventional radiologist and, and they're like, oh, okay, so you're a radiologist? And it's so challenging. And, I, and so I always, my whole, you know, default is to say, yeah, you know, I do imaging guided procedures, you know. Right. Imaging being the, the main thing that they can wrap their heads around. Right. And then if they delve further and I give them examples of types of procedures that I do that, you know, like, you know, biopsies and, you know, endovascular, even if you start talking about endovascular, a lot of times people don't really have any idea what that means. You know? Right. Totally. And so I, to me, it's still a challenge in terms of like, get You know, we have a number of med students who work on back table. And, mm -hmm. you know, even going into med school, like a lot of them, they, they don't really know what interventional radiology is. And so we have this challenge as a specialty in, even though we're highly competitive, but just in terms of like giving people the heads up on what we do early on, like walking right. into med school, because it is so competitive. You kind of have to be involved with these things, you know, pretty quick, right? 
Yeah. And so how do you let the first year or the second year know about this so that it's not the end of the third year where they, they do their rotation. They're like, oh my God, this is what I want to do. Right. Because yeah, that's absolutely. a challenge I had too. And, and yeah. it is hard to, it is hard to make up for that time. That it is hard. Time. Yeah. And especially these days, I mean, medical students like, you know, I have undergraduate students reaching out to me on (laughs) um, how to get involved with IR. So they know even before medical school, it's really crazy. Yeah. So it sounds like we're making progress, you know. I think I think we are. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I do think that we need to, you know, like I said, just make these more dedicated rotations that are, like you said, you know, really showing them all of IR, the breadth of IR from, you know, early on it's not just like hey why don't you go scrub that paracentesis you know uh 10 times today you know it's like getting them involved in the whole day uh the whole day's work right Uh, and not just procedures like really getting involved with like what patients what kind of patients do we see and why and you know the workup and the management and when do we see them after the cases and like do they want to do this you know as their profession. And seeing that overlap with all the other specialties is all right. important, I think, because, I mean, that was probably the reason why I almost went into ERs because there's a little bit of everything and, you know, and you got to do procedures and, and so forth. But then, you know, it wasn't until I did my rotation that I obviously, for obvious reasons, <laughs> didn't really like it. Yeah. But, you know, when <laughs> it was, I did IR and I was like, oh my God, there's so many different things that they do. And I was looking for that kind of diversity, I think. Yeah. It wasn't just one, one, you know, system of the body. It was like covered a little bit of everything, which kind of, right. scra- you know, scratched that itch. So anyway, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, any last words for our audience? Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Yeah. I've always wanted to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've been a supporter uh, since day one and I, we really appreciate the whole back table team. I know appreciates it. Um, you know, Michael and Sabine and Chris all saw you on the schedule and they were super excited to to see you come on as well. So thank you so much for your support and helping get the word out to um, other, you know, trainees. And we're, we're hoping that some of these more trainee focused episodes will continue to encourage people to, to get into the specialty or, and any vascular specialty for that matter. I mean, you know, there's, we have so much overlap with interventional cardiology and vascular surgery that I, I also suggest that, you know, med students do those rotations as well, because who knows? You may you might like endovascular work, but you like it in the in the heart more than you know. Yeah. Somewhere else, um, and you might totally. like the you might like the balance of open procedures and endovascular procedures, and so right. for vascular surgery might be the fit for you. So, I, yeah. I you know I I would say if if you like this type of stuff, just explore explore all options. But um, but thank you so much, Daryl. Thank you for our listeners. Again, you can find all previous episodes on. Our website, backtouple.com, on Spotify, iTunes. Uh, we just did a survey that said that most listeners are listening on iTunes and Spotify, which was kind of to be expected, but we're pretty much on every podcast platform out there. So thank you so much. That wraps it up.